time for us to discuss food. And this week, Dr. Anna Trepido and I celebrated at Chinese New Year. And we did it by spending time with, I think, a, an icon of the 702 land food scene, um, which was just, you know, she was just fantastic. Uh, Dr. Torpedo, as always, good to have you on the show. Good morning. Hello, hello. So we were celebrating uh, Chinese New Year this year. And normally you would go to Cyrildine. Uh, which, of course, has quite a big um, Chinese community, but we did things a little bit differently this year. You know, I think Chinese New Year in Cyrildine is wonderful, mm. but there's a lot of hustle and bustle. It's very hectic. There's, you know, the kind of angst of with it, will your car still be there when you get back? Um, there's never a decent wine list, all of those kinds of things. So what we did was um, we did posh Chinese New Year at the Red Chamber mm-hmm. in Hyde Park Corner. Um, so, yeah, we were fancy Nancy New Year people this year. Yes, we did. And you were saying that in terms of um, the history of Chinese people in South Africa, they've been three waves of um you know people arriving in south africa from china the first of which was in is it the early 1920s i hope i'm remembering correctly you know it's even earlier and and technically there's actually four waves because there's a a wave in i think the 1890s um when gold has just been discovered in the transvaal um and then there's a a wave of people who come in the early 20th century, so I think around 1911 or so. Um, and those are the ancestors of the South African-born Chinese people that were in Commissioner Street, for instance, in the center of Johannesburg. Um, and then there are um, people who come from Taiwan in the 80s and early 90s, followed by the people who are in Cyrildine now, who are post-94 people. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Chen was part of that 80s wave from Taiwan. Yes. Um, and she arrived in South Africa as a graduate student, in fact. And... Um, I think had no intention of being a restauranter and was just sort of driven mad by the quality of Chinese food in South Africa and opened a restaurant because she wanted a restaurant that reflected, you know, this kind of beautiful, great ancient set of food cultures. Because the thing about Chinese food is we talk about it as though it's one thing. Mm. And, you know, like everywhere else in the world, food is regional. So, you know, that that's... Most of the food in South Africa, certainly until recently, was Cantonese, which is southern Chinese food. And Emma Chen's ancestry, and she might have grown up in Taiwan, but her ancestry is actually northern Chinese, so Manchuria, um, so Mandarin Chinese food. Um, And that is, you know... you know, both are delicious, but this is a distinct deliciousness that, that she brings. And I thought that was quite interesting when she says, you know, when we speak about Chinese food, we're actually, because again, it's such a big country, it's 1.6 billion people. There's no one 
Chinese food. There isn't, we're not, you know, it depends on where you are. And she was sharing, um, you know, the regional, like the specific way of, um, you know, how she grew up cooking and how she uh, cooks as well. And the menu was quite interesting. It was kind of this this interesting mix of flavors, but also uh, what's quite big with Chinese food is where the food is hot or cold, which is not about uh, temperatures and like um, whether it is, you know, physically hot or cold or even about spiciness, but about how it makes your body feel, which I think is very interesting. In, in general, that Emma Chen is just so fascinating. I think we both came back a bit in love with her, frankly, that we're, yeah. we're both serious fangirls at this point. And you know, what I loved was how everything was about contrast. So if one bite went crunch, then the next bite was kind of gentle and tender textures. If something was sour, it was always paired with something sweet. Um, if something was red, then there were green vegetables on the plate. That, so it's, it's all about, it's as much about texture and, and sight as it is about taste. You know, you get this three-dimensional experience. Mm. And so our menu was quite interesting. It was much bigger than we expected. Um, I ate past fullness because it was also just so delicious. And one of my favorite things about Chinese cooking is pork is a big part of the menu because pork is my favorite meat. I love pork. Um, and Dr. Uh, uh, Chef Shen uh, was saying how pork is quite a big part and the piece of pork, the kind of pork you eat is determined, I guess, by the occasion. So the bigger the cut, the more special the occasion. And uh, she was saying also that the, that the Chinese character for home is like a little roof with a pig underneath it. So, you know, the different, the way that... Home like, is where the pigs are. Home is where the pigs are in the way that in Natal, you know, milk is so tied up with family. You know, mm. the people who share milk and share amasi, that that makes you a kind of a love unit, you know, that, that you are a family. And the same is true of pig. But, yeah, so there was a lot of pork, but I want to stress that we had two people at our table who, who don't eat pork. And they were equally well catered for, that you don't need to be um, little kind of piggies like us in order to um, enjoy the Red Chamber. That we also had crispy duck, for instance. We had the most magnificent sweet and sour king clip that there was a, a really wonderful, it's so simple and yet it was so perfect for this kind of hot, hot day that we had a... a, a cucumber salad with rice vinegar and a little bit of chili and sesame oil that you know just went kind of it, it was just so cooling it was just wonderful um so you don't need to be a pig person um in fact you know there's so many things on the menu that are both vegetarian friendly and vegan friendly that we had wonderful wonderful noodles because noodles um symbolize long life so long noodles indicate a long life and you're supposed to eat them at new year and the noodles are egg free so you know that that vegans can also have long lives and that king clip was probably my favorite thing and i i say this to someone who loves pork um and i generally don't like a 
I mean, I, I have the palate of a cow. I don't like sweet and sour things. I don't like complicated flavors. And this was kind of sweet. Um, you, you know, you pair it with a bit of pineapple. It was kind of savory. It was like a spicy, um, like a spicy fish. Um, but it was just so good. It was delicious. Um, and that was probably my favorite thing. If you go there for anything else, I think that fish was just amazing. You know, we had a Valeria um, sparkling brute, um, which somehow I started off saying, no, 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 I can't drink at lunchtime. Um, you know, I'll just fall sideways. And then I probably drank more than anyone else. <laughs> um, but it, it was somehow delicious. that it was so, I think sometimes, you know, a perfect wine pairing really just sort of rounds off a meal and this kind of low sugar dry yet fruity and the bubbles that just cut through the richness of the pork and balance the sweet and the spice and so being somewhere where the chef patron can steer you towards a really classy wine that really works with the food is just wonderful mm. um but i think that the thing we were already completely in love with both the place and the chef by the time we got to dessert. But Emma Chen gave us these little, they are um, red bean paste pastries with a sesame crust. So again, the contrast that it's the middle is kind of soft and giving and the out is like cracklingly crisp. And she told us that her husband, before he was her husband, before they even knew each other, he was a customer at the restaurant and he always ordered these little pastries. Mm. Um, so we've decided those are the marry me pastries yes. um, because, you know, that they, he kind of fell in love with her before he even knew her through her food, which is so charming and romantic. It is romantic. And Given that it was not only Chinese New Year, but it was also, you know, it had just been Valentine's Day, it, they felt so perfect for the occasion. And for people who don't like sweet, sweet dessert, you know, they weren't cloyingly kind of punch in the face with sugar. They were just the perfect end to the perfect meal. And uh, so, uh, I mean, it was such a wonderful leisurely um, lunch that I really think it is worth your time. <laughs> you can also do it quite quickly. Like if you don't need to, like we did, we did like a three hour thing. You can just pop in for lunch if that's what you want to do. Uh, but you do need to just find it because it has moved. Look, it's in a funny location. Um, and it's weird because this is the best restaurant in Hyde Park and it's in the worst location. Um, so it's on the, the very ground floor, um, behind the cinema, behind, there is a Japanese restaurant in front of it that you must not be confused. I actually, you know, I thought I knew where it was. So I went and I plonked my bum down. And after about 10 minutes, I thought, no, this is not right. Because I was sitting in the Japanese restaurant in front. So make your way all the way to the back. It's called the Red Chamber because it is very red, you know, that you can't miss it. If you're in a restaurant that is not very red, you're not yet there. Mm. Dr. Trapido, as always, great to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you, thank you. That's our resident chef and food anthropologist, Dr. Anna Trapido. Where do we find the best Chinese cuisine in 702 land? Send us your WhatsApp voice notes with where Dr. Trapido and I should go. Send it through on 072 Send us your SMSs on 31702.